Well, we're here again um, for the podcast of From Here to There um, as we look back at uh, this last Sunday's message. And um, some of you may have heard it, some may have not. And uh, just so I can give you some background, um, we're on the series called You're Invited. Um, You're Invited is this uh, start of this journey that we're on at Higher Hope, um, really just talking about this word called discipleship. Um, and we talked about you're invited because uh, at the very beginning of Jesus' time with his disciples, he starts with an invitation. Um, and I, I think that's the same as today, is, is discipleship always begins with an invitation. Um, God is not forceful. God does not um, coerce. He does not, he, you are not a slave. He does not make you a slave to him. You can choose to be a, his servant, but you are not forced to follow him. He gives you every opportunity he can to get your attention, and he'll put things in your life that will challenge you, but he is not forceful. And so he comes to Peter and his brother Andrew and to Matthew and to all the disciples with, with basically the same phrase, um, three words, come follow me. Last week's uh, podcast, we talked about that invitation a little bit, what that means, how it looks. But that invitation is to this word we use today called discipleship. And I think we've messed it up. Um, I don't think uh, it, uh, the Princess Bride used to have um, uh, Andre the Giant on there. And he says uh, one phrase, I don't think that means what you think it means. Um, And I I think discipleship has lost its punch, lost its power. We've made discipleship a class, a small group, a um, a Bible reading, um, but discipleship is that and so much more. Discipleship is at the basis is us deciding to follow Jesus wherever he leads, wherever he goes, whatever journey he wants us on. He becomes the leader of our life and it is a, is it a, and it becomes a surrender of our lives to him. So that's the invitation. Do you want to surrender your life to him? And I wanted to, um, Last week, we talked about that, come follow me. This week, I want to talk about that second part of that phrase. Um, because he's not done. It doesn't, it's not just an invitation, come follow me. There's a, another uh, almost promise. If you, It's almost like uh, if-then statements. Uh, we did those in math class. If this, then this. Um, uh, if you follow me, then this is what's going to happen. And so in Matthew 4, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there and look at it. Um, verses 18 through 20. He says, come follow me, and then he makes this promise, and I will make you. I'm going to stop there before I finish the phrase. Um, I will. He's. He says, I will do a work in your life. I'm I'm going to develop you. I'm going to prune you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you. I'm going to um, put things in your life that's going to help you uh, do what I'm asking you to do. Um, if you follow me, I'm going to do a work in your life. And so that's, that's one of the things you have to understand is that when we follow Jesus, it's an act of surrender. But a lot of that discipleship is surrendering to what Jesus wants to do in your life. It's not constant effort. Is I guess what I'm saying. It's not constantly trying um, to add things to your list of to do. It's really looking to Jesus, saying, "Jesus, what do you want to do in our, my life?" And I want to. I just want to partner with you. I, I want. Um, Philippians says uh, for. We, uh, for God is, for we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. All right, we need, it doesn't mean we earn our salvation or our rescue, but when we we say yes to Jesus, we we have to keep working at it in some ways. There there is some, like, growing in it. And then it says, for it is God who works in us to will and to act according to his good pleasure. It's almost like Paul saying, 
There's a partnership that takes place. It's not all on our end. In fact, I would say that if we surrender, that's our our task, and then Jesus does the work. Um, we we he beca- we become like the soft clay in his hands, and he can he can mold it the way he wants. And so we have this this promise that if we follow that he's going to do a work. And what's the work going to be? And he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. It's interesting to me that that's the phrase he uses. Not, not necessarily the phrase fishers of men, but that he talks about not necessarily, hey, this is what's going to happen to you. You'll be blessed. You'll be happy. You'll, be, you'll have peace. You'll have joy. You'll have, he says, basically, come follow me and you will have purpose. You will, I will make you fishers of men. Um, I will, I will, your life will no longer be doing a job of fishing. You'll be doing something greater, which is impacting people's lives. He almost offers this incredible, incredible purpose. It's, it's um, years ago. I heard the story of uh, Apple computers and one of the guys that they were trying to get to join um, Apple really early on, really before they made any money, before they were known, before anything, while they were still probably working out of their garage. And uh, Steve, comes to someone and says, hey, do you want to sell sugar water? The guy was working at Pepsi. Do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life or do you want to change the world? Do you want to go through the motions of what you're doing or do you want to have impact? There's some, for some reason, God, God designed us for impact. We want to make a difference. We're scared of it. Uh, we, we want to be comfortable. We want to be safe. But at the back end, we also want our life to account for something. We don't want to just do 72 years, um, have 2.3 kids and, and all, you know, we, we want something more. Uh, we, we don't, don't want to just clock into work. We don't want to, I hope we don't want to just retire, but the offer that he offers them is a life of impact. And what does he want them to do? Basically, in, in simple terms, he is inviting them to make disciples. He wants them to be a disciple a learner, a follower, someone who's who's going to become more like Jesus, and he wants them to go out into the world and make more disciples. See, um, this is where we we struggle a little bit at times. We get things a little off. We think that discipleship is is learning more of the Bible, and it is. But discipleship, the end product is is a person who is willing to make disciples. So you're not a mature disciple. You're, you may not even, you don't even have to be a mature disciple. You're, you're, you're not really following completely if you're not investing your life into other people. Um, you see, our modern culture um, is very sit and receive. You know, come to the performance, come to the the message, come to the worship service. We'll serve you, and yeah, we want to serve and we want to equip but we want to we want to serve and equip to release because we believe that the power of the church is not in a worship service it's in disciples who make disciples that in each person that he calls to be a disciple he says i i have put you in a place i have given you certain gifts i'm going to make you into what i need you to be in order for you to have impact in one two three thousands millions of people's lives Go, in fact, Matthew 28, he's, he's talking to the disciples after three years of investment. Um, and they have gone out and, and made some impact before that. But as he's leaving, he says, listen, don't lose the fact of where I'm, I'm a, I made you. 
go, therefore go, I've given you, all authority has been given to me. Now, therefore, go and make disciples. Invest in people. Invite them to be part of this journey where they could to follow me. Help them grow into what I've designed them to be. Um, we cannot be a disciple without being a disciple maker. And so the question I want to be pushing you on today is, who are you investing in? Who, who is it that God has placed in your life that you need to pour into so that they can have this opportunity to follow Jesus? Um, and then we have these these things in our mind, at least I do in my mind, of like why I we can't. Maybe we're too busy. Um, maybe uh, we don't think we know enough. Um, maybe we don't uh, know who to disciple. And sometimes I think we overcomplicate things too. We we add to what Jesus wants us to do. And I I would say think think about it. Um, in multiple layers, but think about it in, in, as investment. Sometimes you make small investments. Sometimes you make large investments. Um, you pray that they all have, have a positive return um, financially or otherwise. Deci- being a disciple maker is an investment. You don't have to be super smart. You don't have to know the Bible frontwards and backwards. You just have to invest relationally. Does that make sense? Um, by investing your life, allowing people to see who you are, by good and bad. You know, they'll, they'll learn from you from watching you fail and get up. They'll learn from you from um, not knowing the answer sometimes. You don't have to have a theological education, a Bible college degree, in order to make disciples. You just have to be a follower. Jesus makes is the one who invests in you to make disciples. You don't have to have a, a reverend near your name. Um, in fact, if the pastor is the only one making disciples, then the church is in trouble. So the question becomes, who are you investing in? Where has God placed you? See, let me go back to Matthew 28. It says, as you go, going, we all are going someplace. We all are traveling um, different roads. Um, In fact, what's what's really cool about God's design of the church is that he's placed us um, not in one building, but in all sorts of parts of our society, like in our church. We have teachers at Horseheads, teachers in Corning. We have administrators in the school district. We have students in the school district. We have people who work at Corning. We have uh, people who um, work in the hospitals. We have people who are retired in neighborhoods. We have people from Corning. Uh, We have people from Lawrenceville. We have people from Horseheads, Elmira, Big Flats, um, and all sorts of different communities that way. We have different ages. We have people who are involved in uh, sports, some people involved in racing uh, cars, some involved in um, auto repair, some involved in sewing. And, and I could go on and on, but you, if you would draw all those circles, do you, do you see the, the beauty of what God has already designed? That each of those people has a circle around them, and they're all different. Every circle is different. Like my circle is not the same as your circle. And so when you, as you go, um, in Matthew 28, as you go, wherever that circle is, go make disciples. Now the church is on mission. Now, now as we release people to do that, the church becomes live and, and active. It is not just a come to worship at a building. Now it becomes the church um, making disciples where they are. As you go, wherever you go, 
So let me let me walk through your day, or at least my day. If you're in the um, Dunkin' Donuts line, how small wise? What's maybe it's only a penny or a, a nickel worth of investment? How do you invest in the people in the line? As you show up to your work, there are people that you're in contact with at different levels. How do you invite them into discipleship? I know you have to walk it carefully. Sometimes it's it's in modeling. Sometimes it's it's in asking them how are they really doing. Um, it's it's having eyes to see them as part of your mission to to help them come into contact with Jesus Christ and and to to have this invitation to them. Um, sometimes it's in your your conversation. Sometimes you invite someone into your life who you are going to take on um, in a discipleship journey. Um, it doesn't mean you have to have a Bible study together. Maybe it does, but maybe it's just talking through life's issue. Just what we need to do is walk through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and see how Jesus discipled. Um, he didn't necessarily walk through a book. He he taught. He answered questions. He asked tough questions. He um, had them step out of their comfort zone. He's like, hey, let's do this together. Let's feed the 5,000. But we can't. Well, yes, we can because I'm here. They, they got to experience God on uh, sort of like mission trips. Um, they got to serve next to each other. They got to, they ate together, and, and with that evening, they laughed. And so they just they spent time together. And so it, it's almost like discipleship is this rubbing off of each other. And I, and I wonder if we could do that more sometimes too. So invite we're too, if we're too busy to do the main thing, then that's a problem, because we're called to make disciples. It's not adding to your schedule sometimes. It's putting people into what you're already doing. And, and making that part of the discipleship journey. I want to um, kind of shift gears a little bit um, because I, I want you to see how this plays out. Um, so someone invested in this guy named Barnabas. Barnabas is um, in the book of Acts, and he is the, um, some would say he's the son of encouragement. He's an encourager. He's he's kind of one of those people who's a behind-the-scenes person, but he's a discipler. He invests his life to raise up people to um, go fishing for people. And so what he he sees um, this action, this um, um, life-changing event for Paul. And so what he he goes, the Bible says this, he goes to Paul and he says, hey, Paul, I want to really invite you into my life and I want I want us to do life together. And I want to help you grow into what God has designed you to be. And so Barnabas, this, this encourager, takes um, Paul along these mission trips and these these journeys that he goes on, and for a while, um, as you read Acts, it's it's Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul. So Barnabas is, is a leader, and Paul is just along the way. But Paul's active; he's learning as he goes. He's a, he's a leader, um, and at some point, as this discipleship journey um, keeps going, Barnabas steps back and allows Paul lead. He says, Paul, I know you're gifting. I know what God's designed you for. I know that you're an apostle to the Gentiles, and I just want to get you there. So follow, see what I do. Learn from it, both good and bad. Um, I'm just going to try to follow Jesus. And when, at some point, he steps back and allows Paul to lead. And so what does Paul do? Paul looks around, and he takes these people on the trip with him. He does the same thing. He takes Timothy. He says, hey, Timothy, you're young. Um, but I want to invest in you. I'm going to write you some letters that we have today, First and Second Timothy. I'm going to place you in a church of leadership, even though you're young and people may look down on you for your age. I want you to 
become what God has designed you to do. I want you to fish for people. I want you to I want you to be a disciple maker. And so Barnabas put a disciple maker into Paul. Paul put it into Timothy. And then in, in Timothy, um, Paul's encouraging Timothy. He's saying, listen, I want you to to take what I'm teaching you, both um, both in, in the written way I'm teaching, but also in what you're seeing. And I want you to entrust tr- it or give it or invest it into reliable men who will invest it into other men. Do, do you see the flow down? Do you see the disciple-making process that um, Barnabas put into Paul, Paul, Paul's trying to put into Timothy, and hopefully Timothy's putting into these men that they're investing in? And I think that same process should be at work in the church, in our church, in Higher Hope. Are we... Create, am I creating opportunities for people to become disciple makers? Am I giving them, am I allowing people to learn what that looks like and then step out of the way and, and release them to do it? And then are those people becoming disciple makers? If, if our church is maturing, then we will have an increasing number of people who are not, and I want you to hear the terminology, not teaching small groups, but investing in other people's lives. We want to be a church of investment. Um, the invitation, come follow me. Hey, come uh, know me, Jesus Christ. See what he does. And then he says, and I will make you fit. I will make you a discipler. I will, I will make your life have impact. And, and so if you understand multiplication versus addition, addition is powerful. And addition is one plus one plus one plus one plus one one plus one is good and that's that's somewhat the system that we've created in churches around the u.s multiplication is kind of like compound interest it is powerful two times two is four that's multiplication so if two people invest in two people um, and they become followers and disciple makers now you have four disciple makers if those each take two more disciple makers, that's eight disciple makers. Do so you, you see how it compounds? It gets bigger. It's it spirals, and that's that's how God designed the church. The God did not, did not design the church to be necessarily a mega church, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with being a mega church, but a mega church of disciple makers is even better. A, a large church who is investing in people to invest in people to invest in people. And so my question to you, as you, uh, hopefully you're listening to this podcast, is who are you investing in? And then if you are investing in people, how are you encouraging them not just to be knowers of the Word of God, but also investors in other people? And so how do you culture this? How do you how do you create this in, in a church or in our lives? I think, number one, here's, here's maybe where we land the plane a little bit, is how do you invest in your family? How do you help them be disciple makers? How does your five, can your five-year-old, six-year-old be a, be a um, invest in people? And how do you do that? How, how does your teenagers invest in people? Are you, are, are you helping them, encouraging them to serve in the children's ministry to invest in them? Or how do you help them invest in their siblings? How do you, how do you invest in your family? How are you helping them to come follow me? And how do you help Jesus, um, encourage them to see that they have their life as mission? How about family mission trips? How do you take them along with you so that they get the experience? How do you challenge them and, and stretch them along the way? How do you disciple your family like Jesus did? And so you really need to get into um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at it from two lenses. One is the lens of Jesus, who he is and what he's doing. But also, I would encourage you to look through the lens of 
the disciples and how Jesus is, is forming them into what he wants them to be. And, and maybe we should invest, do the same thing with our family. But my other question is, who, are, who else are you investing in? Who, who at your work, who at your, um, who at your uh, church, who, who of your friends, who of your neighbors are you helping to walk the process of discipleship, helping them become disciple makers? Um, if you have been a follower of Jesus Christ for a long period of time and you're not making disciples, then there's a disconnect. You're not fully surrendered. You haven't fully stepped into what God has called you to. I don't know, but but at the end of, end of the day, we need to be Barnabases who invest in Pauls, and we need to be Pauls who invest in Timothys, and we need to be Timothys who invest in um, other reliable men. Come follow me, and then the promise is I will make you fishers of men. The journey from here to there. You know, we have two major questions that we need to ask when we're talking about discipleship and this journey from here to there. One is, where are we going, Jesus? And hopefully we answer that a little bit. We, we are going on a disciple-making process. We're gonna, we're gonna be, I'm gonna make you a disciple makers. I'm gonna, I'm gonna allow you to invest and create change in our world, especially in this world of chaos. Question number two is how do we get there? And now you start figuring out a plan, a way to live like Jesus to invest in others. Take some time. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just start jotting uh, down how did he discipled, and begin begin applying that, putting that in your life. Maybe it's first to start with Jesus. And say, hey, Jesus. Who do you want me to invest in? How do I become a disciple maker? And we'll be, start the journey from going from here, from where you are to where God wants you to be, which is a disciple maker. So start the journey today. Thanks for joining me on this uh, podcast. Hopefully it's um, impactful, powerful, um, and we will talk to you um, on Sunday.